Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Creator Clubhouse podcast. My name is Prince, along with my co-host, Biera. Uh, DJ is out today because he's in Atlanta visiting uh, someone special. So for his birthday, too, actually, happy birthday, DJ. Shout out to DJ. Happy birthday, boy. Um, Today, we have a very special guest on the show, aerial photographer based out of New York City, Paul Seibert. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me. Always, always excited to be here. I'm dude. I'm always stoked to have you. I'm excited for today's topic, which is something that you brought up, which is brilliant. And we're going to be communicating or talking today about how to go from artist and making the transition from an artist to a service provider, which are two very different things. And I know you've had a lot of experience with that. I've had experience with that in the past, making the switch. And so I think it's going to be, Vieira's had experience with that. I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, topic for today. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, Let's start off with updating us, bro. How you been? What's new? What's going on? Uh, Life is is good-ish. You know, it's 2021. We're we're not quite out of. Still feels like we're living in 2020, um, with the level of precariousness that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things are moving on. You know, last we talked, I was working on a book. It's it's still in the works. It was delayed due to the pandemic, so I got another year to wait for book number one to come out. But if we're not thinking about book number two and making moves, then we're shooting ourselves in the foot. So book number two is getting framework and approvals and uh, things of that nature. So we're moving forward. Love it, bro. If, yeah. you, if you guys haven't, I'm A, I'm excited for both books. I'll be the first to order, like I've already told you. So you just let me know when it's game time so I can put my order in. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Paul's work, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, you can check him out on Instagram at Beholding Eye. Uh, just incredible, incredible work. Um, I've noticed recently, and I think we've chatted a little bit about it. You've been venturing out a little bit more outside of the aerial photography and, and doing um, some other landscapes and doing some trips here and there. How's that been? It's been great. I've I've always said that if I didn't live 15 minutes from the most photographed city in the world, I'd be a landscape photographer um so being in the outdoors being in these wild protected places um is it's a soul feeder for me um which not to let let on too much about book number two but my my goals are to spend a lot more time in these wild places and hopefully raising awareness and being a proponent to protecting them and highlighting how amazing they are I love it. I can't wait to hear about that. Um, so let's hop into today's topic. And what might so when we're talking about going from artist to service provider, what do you in your experience, like what is the biggest like what are the main differences between an artist and a service provider? Right. So the word artist as if you're if you're classifying yourself as as an artist, there's it's a very subjective feel to it, right? This is how I'm experiencing the world. This is what I'm seeing. I'm taking this in and then I'm manifesting that in my art, right? Um, but when you start to take money to create your art for someone else's brand, 
you have to shift your perspective for solely me to how can I use my skill and adapt what I do to highlight the brand the best, I guess, for their vision, right? So there's a, there has to be a shift from I'm doing this just for me and whether or not you understand it or not, that's not my problem. Or now you've recognized me for a talent that I have. You like what I'm doing. Now I have to make it work for you. I have to shift and adapt that. So there's a selflessness uh, that has to be acquired, I guess. Right. I love that definition. I think I would add to that too, that being an artist is is like the free form of self-expression where being a service provider is about creating solutions, you know, and solving problems for people. So it's like using your art and if someone is hiring for, you know, for your style, but you're leveraging your style to help create solutions and solve problems versus just expressing yourself. Right. Yeah. So instead of me first, it's client first. Yep. Right. Because they... They may see inherently that you can do something, but you still have to fit your your talent and your your expression to fit their model and what's appropriate for them. Yep, absolutely. Do you have anything to add to that, V? The uh, the difference between an artist and a service provider. I would just say that the line can get blurred a lot for creatives. I see like where you're coming from, why we're talking about this, because you'll be working on something for a client and then you almost get offended because they don't want to go your route. And it's like, no, they came to you for your style. And yes, they trust you. But at the same time, you want to compose something for them. And so to be able to get that balance of giving them what they want, but then also keeping your style and so that you can feel true to who you are, but then also be able to produce some quality work for them. I love that. So, yeah, absolutely. I've 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 heard so many times it's kind of pitfall, and you you kind of facepalm when you hear somebody talking about like I don't understand. They hired me, you know. Like, what? <laughs> they they see what I do. Why aren't aren't they just letting me do what I need to do? Right? Because right. there's still people up there that may not know who you are, and they have a vision for what needs to be done and how it needs to be done, and they hold the checks. Yes, yes, they do. They, they're the gatekeepers. <laughs> That's right. So I think some of the, the other differences to going from artist to service provider is it's more of a collaboration. And so as an artist, you, you're not looking for anyone's input. You're not looking for uh, feedback. You're not looking for a yes before moving forward with anything. You just kind of can operate on a, on a one-man mission which is awesome and, and very freeing. But when you're working as a service provider, it's a much more collaborative environment. And so what's kind of been, uh, what others, you know, what are, what are some other things that you think are important to talk about within the collaboration aspect of working with uh, a client? Well, I think first and foremost is your communication skills, right? If you're an artist and you've been hired Right. So now you, you're making that transition. It would best suit you to have all the parameters told up front. Right. I need to know what your vision is. 
I need to know what the expectations are, timeline, budget, so that all of that is out of the way so that then you can start focusing on creating and, and adapting your skills to their vision, right? And their needs. So their needs are super important. Yep. And, and to get to the, to the root of what their needs are is, has to be the most important thing in that, in that transition. Do you have like, do you have a process for discovering those needs or certain questions that you ask clients? Uh, cause I know as an artist, it can be super challenging. A lot of times I feel like creatives will just say yes to a project and the person purchasing the, let's just say the, your product isn't necessarily a great buyer of your product. And so they don't necessarily know what they want. They just know they want a video or they want some photos and you're like, Oh, of course I got that. And then you go out and execute and then you show it to them and they're like, Oh, that's not what we wanted or that doesn't work. That doesn't look good. We need some edits or can you go reshoot that? Uh, and it's because there was no, uh, no identifying the need and, 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 and coming up with the brief and identifying those creative parameters. So how do you kind of go about doing that with clients? I think, I think it's just the question. Like, so what is it that we're here, we're at the table, we're talking outline for me what it is and how you see this project moving right how can i best highlight your product you know your people your your service that you're trying to provide people is it that you want it to be lifestyle is it you want to be product facing is it a combination of both it's it's getting it down to the lowest common denominator so that when you leave the table, there's no confusion, All right? Let's and I think from being from New York, that's kind of like, let's get down to it, mm -hmm. right? Let's cut it right to the quick. Tell me what you're looking for, and then I'll tell you. And sometimes you just say like, I'll tell you if I'm even the guy for you, because maybe what I do doesn't align with you want, even though I may want to work with you. If I'm a service provider, I also have to be honest with where my skills lie mm -hmm. and whether or not be humble enough, know your skill set enough to know whether or not you're the right guy for the job. I love that. I think that kind of comes back to, to tying in with like swallowing your pride and saying I'm not the right person for this job, even though you may want the job. but. Uh, knowing it's just not going to end well because it's just not it's not your thing. I think it makes a lot of sense and, and takes a certain type of character to be able to make those types of decisions. I also love the the questions. I think they're so important to you know between getting the job to sitting down with the client and making sure that you create time and space with your prospective client to identify those needs to figure out what the wants are to figure out are there creative parameters or things that, you know, anything you don't want me to do? Like, what are my absolutely do nots? Like, you yeah, know, let's start yeah. there. Uh, and I think that stuff's all great. Nailed it. So, Nailed it. <laughs> okay. So what about when, you know, I think another challenge from artist to service provider is the communication barrier. I think there's oftentimes communication breakdowns whether 
whether it's on the client side, whether the artist is being emotional about their work and attached to their work and they're not able to accept feedback or constructive criticism or whatever it may be. Um, what are some ways you think that artists could go about navigating that, that transition? Oh yeah, that's, that's probably the hardest thing, right? (laughs) Because each time you produce something, it's, it's like another child, right? So how could you say that about my baby? You know, uh, so I think the way I enter into things is that I kind of have to pre-prepare myself that there are going to be notes and it's just kind of, uh, preparing myself that there's going to be some deep cuts, right? And I'm going to feel it. So if you mentally prepare yourself beforehand, like when they're like, yeah, we like this, but you know, maybe cut this out. This seems like this, or how come this doesn't look like we talked about? You either have to be able to explain yourself and the reasons why this came out this way, or have to be willing to go back and redo it so that it better fits their vision. Um, I did some work at one point last year where a company wanted to do a product personality placement with a Manhattan Hinge style shot, right? And so me thinking, okay, so you want the sun to be balanced on top of this thing while somebody's holding it. How close am I to the person? It took, I had to take time to basically explain compression rule, you know, like the laws of photography so that their expectations were adjusted because I was like four feet from the person. And I'm like, you're calling me based on a shot that the sun was, you know, 20 miles away and I'm, shooting at 200 millimeters where you want me to shoot at 24 millimeters it's not it's not going to be the same shot right you're not going to get that clean sun so we move forward with it but if if i just wanted the job i'd be like oh yeah you know i can totally do that right you know (laughs) like that's that's what i do that's why you called me but you have to there has to be an awareness it has to be a comfort level, like I said, with knowing what the situation requires. And if it's evident that the client is coming to you with not all the information, then it's your responsibility to inform them. For sure. I think that calling out those concerns beforehand, before you're going to shoot and everything, it just allows for you to feel more comfortable when you're delivering the work because you've already told them the concerns that you had. And then they're already their expectations were shifted a little bit. Because a lot of people in the client world don't understand the things that you can do, cannot do. Like if you're filming an interview and there's going to be people walking around, the audio is not going to be super crisp. So if you want it to be really crisp, we need to make sure people are out of the office while we're filming. So like little things like that, that you, if you can be such an expert of pre-thinking of that shoot um, and giving that those concerns to the client, then it's a lot less... Um, overwhelming when you're delivering the work and showing well and this is why it's not exactly why you wanted it you know yeah the person who i was communicating with all these 
concerns, and then we even went through like a pre-shoot to show them what it would look like to get approval. Her boss was looking over my shoulder and was like, okay, so now where are the, where's the clean sun? And I'm like, uh, why did we have all those conversations? Yeah. Emails, pre-shoots, which I was on the understanding that you approved and now we're here, the shoot is over. And so that's communication on someone else's side of it that's affecting me. Right? There's a lack of communication between the, t- the point person and the supervisor. Right. And it's affecting how I'm looking. Like, right. I'm unprepared. I'm like, oh, hold on a second. That's not it. Right. <laughs> so how do you handle that situation then? Like, what are your options? Or what do you feel your options are in a situation like that? Yeah, um, I, I basically said what I just said right now. I said, first I said, well, what do you mean? Because <laughs> it was a face-to-face thing, and I'm like, it's a press-style type of shoot, edit, and get it out. So there was a lot of, I needed tunnel vision focus, and there's someone who's like, hey, where are the other shots? And you're like, uh, these are the shots. <laughs> you know, um, I just basically said, I'm really sorry, there seems to be some miscommunication, but I spoke to blah, blah, blah. And we did the test shoots, and I requested confirmation that these were okay, and that we're moving forward with this style of image. So I don't know what to tell you. I said way back when that this wasn't even a this wasn't even a possibility. So she kind of realized that maybe there was a ball that had been dropped somewhere that had nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. and we moved on. It was just a little bit uncomfortable. For a couple minutes, right. but I I think if you're not prepared, you can get yourself in trouble by admitting like you did something wrong when you didn't. So I think that's where a st- statement of work comes in. It's kind of like your personal insurance. It it really backs you up. Like it seems like a daunting task for a creator. I know there was like a time uh, when I hated like putting together. Like it's like oh we got a deal, we got a deal, great. But there there comes a point to where you realize it's not even about the extra work that goes into putting together a, a statement of work. It's it's so vitally important because it, it secures your ass. If you uh, if they start asking you for all this extra stuff at the end and you don't have any you don't have a statement of work or or a contract or some type of agreement structured, then and they're, you know, they're going to assume it was all included re-edits and all these different things. And you can find yourself in really, really hairy situations. Uh, and in a situation like that, had, you know, had your client not realized that it was a miscommunication on their side and maybe they're going to put this on you, you know, with the statement of work, you can go back to the statement of work and be like, hey, no, like, see, like, this is what we agreed on. These, you know, this was the type of photos. This was the concept. And it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. So be more than happy to come back out and do that for you but you know it's a whole different thing right yeah yeah it was a, it was a nerve-wracking couple of minutes and there was other people other creators around that were involved and they were just kind of like oh god like i hope she doesn't come and ask me <laughs> you know like <laughs> they were freaking out and i'm like what are you talking about no that's right. not what we agreed upon and they were like thank god that she came to you first yeah um because I don't know what I was going to say. 
<laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by the Sony WH-1000XM4 noise-canceling headphones. I can wear these things all day. I've been on long flights to New York. And coming from Boise, as you know, V and DJ, when we travel to NY, we always have a layover. And so it takes, it's like an all-day trip to get yeah. to New York here. And we'll be rocking these headphones from the time we leave Boise until the time we land in New York City without my ears being all bruised up and sensitive. I know you guys can relate if you've had headphones that make your ears all tender and, and make them feel weird. These headphones are really, really comfortable. What have been the three most important th lessons or skills that you have learned or needed to learn in your transition from artist to service provider? Hmm. Okay, I think one of the first things go with the most important like what's the single most important know how to read body language and be sensitive to it so if you see someone you know we've talked a long time about how i do weddings and families and headshots and things like that if you have somebody who shows up and they're nervous or they're not feeling comfortable you have to be able to make them feel comfortable you have to go to them right so it's a how do i say this it's almost like a dying of yourself yeah. right to make sure that someone else is more comfortable because then the images shine it's tough the because there, there's so many when you're making the transition from artist to service provider there's so it's so it's a whole different world it requires a whole different set of of tools and skills and it can be overwhelming as far as where to start is it is it networking that's the most important is it sales is it is it marketing should i be building my website and, and building my name should i be uh focusing on on business should i be focusing on strategy how to be strategic should i be focusing on uh you know how to invoice clients contracts there's so many different right. things uh people skills you know empathy all these different things it's like where you know uh i think some of the strongest things and the most impactful and can be either the most beneficial or the most detrimental is going to be if you're bottom line a pleasant person to work with yeah someone comes out of that experience and it was like wow you made that painless i hate taking pictures or like or a client is like wow you were even when things were falling apart like you kept a cool head you just kept on saying no problem you, you executed you got everything we wanted and you kept a smile on your face in front of maybe their client mm -hmm. so when you become a service provider and you're hired by maybe a marketing team, right? Who's hired by a larger brand. You're an agent for that person. You're a contractor. You're a representative of those people who have faith in you to create and execute. But there also has to be a level of self-assuredness mm -hmm. without being egotistical. There has to be kind of like you're a duck on a pond, right? Everything looks like everything is going great on the surface. Your feet may be going a million miles an hour <laughs> underneath and you may be freaking out. But if you can 
everything's great. How are you doing? You know, um, that goes a long way. For sure. I yeah. think I think that as a contractor of a business, when you're out publicly shooting and working for that client, you are representing you're representing their brand and that's really important. And they're buying your brand. So the way that you carry yourself is gonna be important. You may be the best you may be extremely talented, but if they're like, Whoa, that person has you know, bad habits, nasty mouths, kind of obnoxious. They're not going to want you to represent their brand. They'll go with someone that's okay or good enough. That is a much better representation of their brand. Um, and is going to be a better forward person than, than someone who not. So I think that's another, a big, big, big thing. And leaving the ego at home is a huge one. You know, I've been on, uh, you know, I was on a trip a few years ago and we got to, and we flew out of the country very, very far away. Um, and when we landed, one of the influencers was just being a jerk. And it came up at dinner where the client that paid for the entire trip was just like, what is this guy's deal? Like, oh. like, you know, and we're having a con- and I'm speaking with them. I'm having a conversation with the client and, and uh, I was like, well, what do you guys want to do? They're like, you know, like, I don't know. Like we're thinking about, they're about to send him home and we were literally in New Zealand. And so they were, and we had just got there. And just because he was, it was all ego is he, you know, he's granted he's with a bunch of hot shots and everyone else was super chill. Right. You know? And, and, and I love what you said about, you know, being a duck. It's just like level playing field. doesn't matter who you are, what you are, just be humble, be nice, be respectful and do your job. Like it's not, it's, it's bigger than you. It's not, this isn't about you you're here to perform a task, and I think that's super important to remember. When you talk about being a service provider, that could mean from a huge brand to a bride on her wedding day. And so kind of what you're talking about that it really boils down to with making people feel comfortable is just building those relationships, taking time when you're first going into it to just get one-on-one talk with them, and then that builds that trust for them to where that communication barrier, there's no communication barrier. And so I feel like, the more you can lead with your heart first in those mm-hmm. moments and not think, okay, let's just get going. You stand there, you pose this way, or even in a brand meeting going just straight to the work, it takes away that heart aspect where people will feel like, oh, I can trust them with this because they're asking about my kids and asking about what I love about my job. And there's so much that gets lost in our culture today that people are just go, 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 go. That if you take that time, it just everything's so much easier. I love that, it is, especially with the camera. I love that, yeah, with the camera, you realize it's people skills are always important. But when you're sticking a camera in someone's face, it's like a whole different level of connection. It's like, whoa! Uh, and so if you're not, if you don't have strong people person skills, uh, it's going to be challenging to build that connection. And so those relationships matter and. I think there's ways to build upon those skills. You don't have to wait for the photo shoot to like figure out how to speak with people. Like you can just start talking to strangers. Like when you're in the coffee shop, instead of keeping to yourself, like say hello to the person behind you, say hello to the person next to you, spark up a conversation, try to make them laugh. Try to your job, make it a game. Can I disarm this person? You know, make it a game. How many people can I disarm today? And the better you are at, 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 at getting people to just relax and open up, 
you know, I, I feel like the best photographers I've seen are amazing communicators. And those are the guys that I admire the most, not necessarily like it's, I'm sure you guys have been on set with in shoots and some photographers are just like, Oh, you know, do this, do this. And then other ones are just the whole time. They're just communicating. And then they'll be like, Oh, can you do this? And then they're back to talking to them about whatever. And it's, they're so comfortable and they're opening up and it's, and it's so amazing. And I feel like those photographers are the ones that get those real, they get the the true expression and they get those epic shots of celebrities or people or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. They get those real moments because people open themselves up. They're not just like smiling and cheesing. You know, they're giving you right. something real, some magical stuff. So you're getting genuine emotion, body language, expression, right? When you're talking about being behind a camera and you just take a, take a picture, right? And people get, all of a sudden, the yeah. shoulders go up, the neck disappears. <laughs> Especially, it's interesting. To, okay, let me try and formulate this the right way. When all of a sudden you see the evolution of someone saying like, "Hey, I'm doing portraits now," right? That's like the big announcement. I'm doing, I'm doing portraits now. I'm, I'm moving on. When you're doing portraits, or, you, or you, someone hires you to do something, whether it's a lifestyle shoot headshot i need this for work but i hate pictures being taken of me there has to be a like you said their moment of warming the people up like so for instance if somebody shows up and they're like hi yeah like i'm not i I don't usually take a lot of pictures and pictures of me don't usually come out really well i usually send them like 200 feet away from me and i say i want you to walk to that spot there and then slowly walk back to me. And I want you to take your time. You don't have to look at the camera at all. Or you can start to narrow where you're looking. But I want you to get used to hearing the camera. I want you to get used to hearing my voice giving you direction from behind the camera. And you can see the first 20 seconds, they're like, everything is stiff you know, their head and their shoulders move all together. And then slowly I'll say, okay, it's drop your shoulders, just relax. And you see, and, and I said, look up over there, you know, okay, perfect. Oh, you're looking at me. Oh, that's great. How about a little smile, you know, and it unfolds. And like you said, there's a disarming. And then once that happens, if I feel like they need another, then I'm not I'm not on a clock. Right. I do say like we have two hours, right? But I'm not going to be like it's it's a, an hour and 59 minutes. And uh, <laughs> so w- what do you want to do? Yeah, I want to make sure that when they come out of it, their first thing that they say to me when I put when I'm putting the camera away is, wow, like that was that was great. You made it so easy. And for me, Aside from obviously the final product of the images or whatever it is I'm doing, um, that stays with people. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good technique to use yep. to get them comfortable. To I love that. Yep. Because you can see they start walking. It's just they don't know what to do with themselves. So don't look at me. You know, so... <laughs> That's really cool. Another good one while we're on the subject of like in the shoot is having some type of itinerary 
and a game plan. You got to realize as the as the person behind the cameras, the videographer or the photographer, you're kind of the coach. And if you go back to the huddle and the coach doesn't have a play and you're just kind of like, you're going to feel really uncomfortable. You're like, kind of like, what the hell is going on? What are we doing here? What's next? Like, yeah. uh, And that's how people feel. If you're just kind of winging it, you leave your – people like to know what they're getting into. People don't yeah. like to just – oh we're just gonna go with the flow on like once they're there like they might open up and and all that good stuff but beforehand it's really nice to know like okay cool this guy knows what's going on i kind of know what's going on he's keeping this thing moving i don't ever feel like you know you don't want to give him that room for anxiety to to creep in um because it will even myself i know i've been involved in productions where i was you know helping his uh talent and i've been like kind of like what's like uncomfortable because I just didn't really they were just winging a video you know and it was just kind of uncomfortable you're just like what are we doing here how long am I when do I get to eat like what like what the hell is going on I'm kind of hungry can I go like you know uh Mm -hmm. and so I think a a itinerary is definitely a big one it's interesting when you're on the other side of the camera if you're paying attention to how you're feeling it should help you when you're on the other side of the camera like you said have that consideration mm-hmm. because you're sitting there and you're like i kind of thought you were gonna have this figured out by now <laughs> you're not you're just kind of wasting my time you know um so what else do you so think can, would be another big one so that was one right yeah i think like people skills yeah um so yeah, what, wow, what, that was only one. What Jeez. would be a what would be a second, you think? I think there needs to be a level of self-awareness. Like what we talked about before, knowing when something is right for you and when something isn't right for you. That's really good. For instance, like I had a, a energy drink company reach out to me. It was like, "Hey, do you want to jump on this campaign and blah blah blah?" I don't drink energy drinks. Right. So as much as it was a paycheck, I had to say it doesn't really align with who I am, but I do appreciate you, you know, reaching out to me. Was that a smart business move in the moment when we're living in a pandemic and somebody said, we want you to do, you know, one post and a couple stories and we'll pay you this much money? I don't know. Maybe I, I tend to think yes. Because I would disagree. Would you? Yeah. Okay. I, Tell I think, me why. I think it's easy to think yes. Uh, having a um, a high time preference, but if you're looking at your business as a brand and and, and thinking about the the long term effect it could have on the Paul Cyber brand, I think it's a no brainer to say no. So, although it hurts today to not be able to take the, the, the business to take the money from a business standpoint, it's going to hurt you a lot more when people are just like, yeah, this dude's just pushing some random ass energy drink. Like when you lose respect from your peers and from your audience, I think you have right. a lot more to lose, uh, long-term in that than, than the short-term gain of some money. Yeah. I, I may not have been explaining that well, but I'm on I'm on your side. Yeah, that's what I was meaning yeah. to say. I yeah. thought that I was like, I yeah, I was like, I think we're saying the same thing. The same thing here. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think knowing knowing yourself, knowing your brand, yeah. and knowing what you want to represent for sure. 
Yeah, I'm thinking that's a big long one. term. I yeah, long term. I love that. Is you know we've Prince, you and I have talked about. I'm a I'm a long game player. Like I'm like tortoise long game. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> 189 years from now, I'm gonna be like I told you so. <laughs> What would you say the third most important thing from between making that transition from artist to service provider would be? Yeah, I think uh, probably the third one is to protect yourself. Um, educate yourself as much as possible. And for me, that means educating yourself in business practices because I was not, and I still feel inadequate in some areas, um, in the business side of things because I'm a genial guy. I'm a, I'm a people person. I want to please people. I found that without the self-awareness and the knowledge of how important it is to make sure that you're protected, you get taken advantage of. Um, and a lot of my learnings have come from, doing it the wrong way first um so yeah protect yourself understand what you're getting into contracts are great yeah um yeah being prepared outlining everything there's a lot of like behind the scenes grinding nitty-gritty type of stuff that people don't understand that's always happening they just see the next step in the evolution as it comes across their feed. But they don't understand that it took months, maybe years, before there somebody was willing to release and show you, you know, you don't know, but for 18 months I've been working on this. And here's the finished product. Yeah. I dig that. I think if I had to if I had to put them in the three buckets for making the transition, I would say relationships would be number one which i think falls under i would i would say that's even overarching people skills but relationships i find so important i think relationships are the real life social network and if you quit looking at people as just like transactions and you just look at everything as relationships you have so much more connectivity in the real world whether it's you know you could take a headshot from a doctor and if you treat it as a transaction then that'll probably be the end of that it's a transaction it's done if you create a relationship and just genuinely care being a be a great person create an awesome experience and, and build that relationship while you for whatever it's five minutes or or an hour however much time you have with that person i guarantee you when that doctor hears another doctor or a buddy or his 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 team needs headshots it's a no brainer. Like he's not going to get on the computer and search for, photog- he's going to be like, Oh yeah, that there's who took my headshot. That was that guy's. Yeah. Hire John to do all the headshots for, he was awesome. Um, so I think relationships is a big one. Business I think would be the second. And I'm just going to put it as a, it's, it's a broad category. Business is super important. Understanding marketing, understanding, which I would put contracts and all that stuff underneath that umbrella. I think, I think business is like, the art itself, whatever art you do, whether that's photography or filmmaking, you invested a lot of time into learning those skills and growing those skills. And you know, they don't happen overnight and it just takes time. Business is the same way. So I would treat it as an ongoing 
uh, skill that needs developing, especially if you want to grow a business, like there is both sides of it. There's the art and the business. And so, um, you have a lot of growing to do. So I would focus on that. And then third, I would, uh, I would say self-development, like developing personally, like becoming, become a vibrant person, become a, a magnetic person, be the most awesome person you can be because that's who people want to work with. That's who people want to be around. They want to be around that energy. Uh, and so that's what I would probably say for those three. What about you, V? Oh, gosh. Basically everything you guys said, I would probably just word it a little <laughs> differently. Um, I love the thought of just human first, whether you're at a coffee shop and you're, I'm human first and then I'm a customer. Or you're at a shoot, I'm human first and then I'm a photographer. In a meeting, same thing. Um, I think that that just allows for not to be so rigid on your timeline and schedule. And then I love what you were talking about with just knowing who you are and what you stand for. And so, because I do photo and video, but like if someone comes to me and they want photos of their car, that's not going in the direction that I see myself going. So doing that is just to get paid. And that's, I mean, maybe sometimes you kind of have to bend for that a little bit, but to, yeah. to see like, what's the direction I truly want to go? And is this in line with that trajectory? Or am I just kind of busying myself when I could be focusing on where I want to end up? And then the third thing I would say, being very transparent in communication. So from everything, like just almost writing too many notes at meetings. So sitting down at a meeting, not getting, getting all the concerns out of the way, kind of like what we were talking about. But so you have record of that and that you can come back with them, even things from timeline concerns, like, oh, this is the deadline for me. It will for sure get done at this time, you know to be able to say exactly what they're going to get and what the next steps are so they are in tune with that, I feel like gives builds a lot of trust because a lot of times creatives will just leave for three weeks and work on what they're working on and then the, the client's like, what's happening? Like, when am I going to see my wedding video? Or when is he going to get us that product shot? Like, there's just no communication there. So I think being over overly communicative. For sure. No, that's a great one. Do you got any personal stories, Paul, of during your transition from artist to service provider, any good failures or really silly things that you realize looking back? I definitely have some little anecdotes. The reason why I say contracts are important because I've definitely had some last minute cancellations uh, where you're like, oh, yeah, I can you get it all the way to the point where you've negotiated the, the cost, how long I'm shooting, what is it you're looking for? And then like three days beforehand, they're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get my boss's, you know, nephew to do it. He's and and you're like, and you already bought the Lambo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Lambo has been purchased. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. What am I going to do with three Lambos? But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Never have too many. Um, but yeah, so I definitely, I'm someone who wants to see the best in people, right? I can still do that, but I can be responsible to myself, my company, my wife, who's expecting that money. And then all of a sudden, because I didn't do what I was supposed to do, 
by protecting myself, we're in a bind. Mm. So, and I, and I, I can't stress enough the communication part. I'm someone who, if I don't get the answer that I'm looking for in an email, I will resend the email and say like, look, part of my job is to make sure that I know all of your expectations. And if I don't beforehand, like when are the deliverables expected? Am I, is this a press turnaround type of thing? Am I shooting and uploading? You giving me a, a week, you giving me two days. If I have to struggle for that, then I consider whether or not I want to work with that brand again, right? Because, or, or the, that person, mm-hmm. it may not be the brand's fault. It may just be who they hired to spearhead that job. Um, so yeah, the, the communication aspect, whether or not it was your fault, it will fall on you because you're the one who they're depending to deliver. So if you don't have all the elements, all the facts prior, it's going to, it's going to end badly for you. For sure. And I think that's one of those moments where sometimes you just have to swallow your pride and especially if it's, if it's a relationship you want to keep, like there's a difference between Mm -hmm. like, oh, screw them. And I really want to keep this relationship. This, like I could see myself working with these, then that's when you, you know, that's when I've had to, at least in the past, bend over backwards. And it's just like, cool, like going to give them seven, 20 edits extra, even though I'm not getting paid for this. Uh, and the reality is like, I can, I can be looking back during that time. I was always upset with the client. Like it was their fault. I was the victim. Right. <laughs> but looking back, I'm just like, you just didn't take responsibility. Like you didn't, the reason you, you, you had 20 extra edits and all this stuff is because you're, you, you didn't, you didn't set it up right in the first place. Right. You know, and so you created that you created an environment for um, for crazy things like that to pop out of the unknown. Yeah, I think in a lot of things in life, diminishing the noise that is confusion and and obscures what it is, you know, either your goals are or someone else's goals that you have to realize or just being a good person, um, the distractions and the noise, you have to be able to cut through and you have to have the communication to ask someone else to do that for you, especially if you're working for someone. So I guess never feel uncomfortable asking questions. And if it seems like they're getting upset or annoyed with you, I always just say, look, I know I'm asking a lot of questions. I just wanna be as prepared as possible for you so that the end result is that you're happy with mm-hmm. whatever it is I'm delivering to you. And I think asking good questions is like a, is a skill that you acquire over time. I don't think, I've, I don't think anyone's ever been upset by someone asking too many questions. Um, I think people get annoyed sometimes if you're asking like dumb questions, but they'll still <laughs> answer them. You know what I mean? I shouldn't say any, right. the only dumb question is not asked asking the question, but there are questions that it's like either a probably just wasn't the best question or B it's like the ant like you could just find, you can Google the answer. Like any, like, it's yeah. common knowledge. It's not special. It's not like special to me. So you don't really need to waste my time. You could just go find that answer. 
Um, but yes, questions. I mean, Vieira will tell you, I ask questions all the time. Yeah. Like I'm always asking, you'll be in a project and I'm still curious. Oh yeah. We met with, you know, we met with the CEO and this person and you know, they like the project. Okay. But like what were their concerns or what about it? Did they like what, what's missing? How would you say, how excited would you say they were from a scale from one to five? Like I want to really, yeah. I want to understand, I need to, you know, I need to be able to paint a picture of what's going on here mm-hmm. between the feedback they're getting. Cause a lot of times they won't give you a ton of information outside of, Oh yeah, we showed them the project and uh, they're interested. So, you know, let's, but we need more than that, you know? <laughs> right. Right. And it's, and it's seeing that like if you're across the table from somebody and you're talking about this project and you can see they're kind of like, yeah, okay, we can do that. You know, like be, have the confidence yeah. to say, I can see that there's a little bit of hesitation there. Can I explain this better for you? Mm-hmm. Or where are your concerns? Right. The concerns you is know? a big one. And I think, I know when I, in the past, when I was uh, doing my own thing a long time ago, I would never ask someone that because that's the last thing I wanted to do. Like, that's like setting yourself up for failure. Like, so <laughs> thanks for everything. So any concerns? Well, actually, I'm not sure if like you're actually capable of executing on all the things we just talked about. You're like, uh, of course I am. Uh, <laughs> How dare you, sir? It's it's yeah. a scary question, but it's it's an important question because you can resolve a lot of uncertainty in your clients uh, quickly, you know, and sometimes their stuff's valid. Maybe like, oh, we just... We love everything, but we think maybe your guys' you know, organization is too small to handle this or this or that. And then it's like, oh, cool, like no big deal. Totally understand. That makes sense. Uh, let me show you some projects that we've worked on that are three times the size of this and how we did that. And this is actually how we operate. And then it's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Like, thank you so much for sharing us. You know, we didn't realize you guys could do these things. Like, that's perfect. We're good to move forward. To where if you wouldn't have asked that question, they might have loved everything about you. But that concern is what kept them from hiring you. Yep. Yeah, there's that. Um, that question opens the gate for a little bit of a deeper dive into like, yes, of course, I've considered this. And here you go. I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to let you know. I've been thinking about that and how That's to awesome. circumvent these issues. Yeah. Reading the room, like you said, is a big one. Uh, I, I was a bull back in my early 20s and I didn't ever I did not read the room it was just like this is the print show I'm here and I'm about to sell you a hundred thousand dollars worth of video that you never knew you needed and it's gonna be great you're gonna love it your mom's gonna want some videos your shareholders are gonna want some videos everyone's getting a video um and just, I mean, I've, I mean, I've literally left meetings where people are just like, kind of like jaws on the floor. Like I can just see it in their eyes where they're like, what in the world just happened? Like we needed, we needed a 30 second promo video. And this guy just brought like a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> program to us. Like what in the world did I just sit through? And so, um, don't do that. You know, I was just trying to get paid. I was like, yeah, we need some money. We need to, you know, we're going to hit a big project. That's all I wanted, which was yeah. not at all in alignment with what the customer needed. And so that was me being an artist and it being all about myself versus being a service provider. 100%. No, I kind of wanted to dive into the conflict resolution. 
Mm. Let's do it. Because we were talking about that earlier before we started recording. Yes. And Con- I yeah. really want to hear about that. Conflict okay. resolution, and uh, sounds like you have a story for us—a real life story uh, on conflict resolution. Well, I, I, I would just say that I have an experience in conflict. I think the resolution part is again there has to be a level and a willingness of humility to listen to someone else's issues or problems with maybe something you've done, how you operated, or something you've said, or it's something you didn't do. Listening, addressing it directly, and not saying like, well, I would have done this if you hadn't done that, you know, Um, but more along the lines of like, I totally understand exactly where you're coming from. Let me tell you why I did this, this, and this. And tell me if that makes sense. And if not, then let's continue this conversation instead of shutting the doors. Right? We live in a society right now where it's so much easier to shut a door. Oh, for sure. And block people out for the smallest misunderstanding. So if, God forbid, something does happen where you find yourself the subject of someone's discontent miscont malcontent i don't know they're just not happy with you then i think the f- the first thing for you to do is to close your mouth and listen first let them get it all out and be okay with it don't be like well you know there has to be ownership on both sides for there to be a conflict resolution right because if there's a conflict you have you have two different perspectives that aren't in alignment and they're they're battling one another. So your job as a service provider is to listen, really kind of think about what was my part in this. Acknowledge it. If you need to apologize, apologize. But reintroduce the idea of, look, I understand this was tense this happened. It's never something that I want to happen. It just unf- unfurled this way, right? There's There wasn't enough communication, whether on my part or your part, but we're here, we're working it out. Let's use this as a learning opportunity and building towards the future. If that's a brand that you want to continue to have an association with, right? Mm-hmm. And you hopefully on the other side of that, someone is willing to hear it really understand that you are contrite and you are looking for resolution and can move past that or i don't know then then maybe you're in trouble maybe you burned a bridge yeah conflict resolution is tough i think there's there's a it's one of those pendulum type things and it depends on where this conflict falls on a scale on a sliding scale um but in my you know, in, in my experience and the way that I operate, I would say that the client is in a conflict type situation that they're normally right. The customer, it's like being a brand. It's like the customer is always right. If a customer calls you upset, the customer could be a complete fool, didn't follow your instructions, didn't do anything the way that they were supposed to do it, but it doesn't matter. They're your customer. They bought your product 
and just smile, take ownership and, and let them be on their way. Um, and I, and I've, in my experience, I feel like that's normally the best approach is to just, you know, take ownership, smile, fix whatever needs to just don't make it a thing. Just slice through it. Just like, okay, cool. Boom, boom. Yep. We'll get that right. We'll make sure that's next time. We'll get that right back to you. And just don't let them. Cause people also like when it comes to conflict, people and pe- humans are weird. We like conflict to where if you give someone an open, if you just open the door, you're like, all right, cool. Like, let's make this a thing. Then it's going to be a thing. You know, it's like when someone mm-hmm. challenges, it's like, Oh, you're going to challenge me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to do this now. Like we're definitely going to get into this. Uh, and it just doesn't even, you know, a lot of times conflicts get blown out of, of control for no reason. You know, they don't need to be uh, as large as they are. So like I said, we would normally, I think just take ownership of it. There are certain times where it's just like, you know, you let people express what they have to express and then you just politely come in and you just, you have to be honest like, cause that's your brand and be truthful. And sometimes you have to let people know, like, I think if they're crossing the, like basically where I stand, if they're crossing the line of like ethical line, then it's like, okay, like, Hey, I need to say something like, this is a whole different ball game. It's not about just like some small mistake, like some small conflict to where it's not even worth, like I'll just take ownership and, and get it fixed. But if it's right. something about integrity and, and, and ethics, that's a whole nother ball game. And I think it's super important to, to stand up for yourself and to resolve those matters in a, in a different kind of way. Right. Yeah. There are sometimes when it's not going to be resolved because you've done everything that you're supposed to do. You're waiting on say a paycheck or something and you're being led on, led on, led on, led on or something. You know how these things happen sometimes where they're like, well, we got what, you're just going to have to wait for your money type of thing. And if it wasn't outlined beforehand, you're kind of like, when am I expecting the situation to resolve? Mm. Um, Sometimes they don't. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, like that, like there's sometimes you take a loss, you know, like sometimes, sometimes someone walks into your store and they steal a television and they leave Mm -hmm. and that sucks. (laughs) And sometimes a client just burns you and yeah, and I've been burned and it sucks, but it does. It's, it's, and there is no resolution. It's just one of those things where it's just like that never gets resolved. You you email them six months later, you're still emailing them and you start to realize I'm spending more, it's causing more pain in my life by just being upset about it, by, by hunting this person down. Like, it's creating yeah. so much tension that it's not even worth it. It's like, it's just let go. Like this is like eating up too much of my energy. You know, I'm better right. off taking that same energy of trying to get this check and turning that, pointing that towards bringing in another client, you know, one that is a much better client than, you know, yes, there's like, it's like the Rubicon. It's like, you get to the point of no return to it. It's like, okay, like I'm not going to cross this. I'm not going to, I'm just going to turn back around and just go find something else to eat. Yeah. 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 And sometimes, and that's the hard part, right? Where you have to say, man, I really was looking forward to working with this company. I finally got my opportunity and it's like meeting your hero, right? Yep. They say never meet your hero. It's always going to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. So be careful what you wish for. 
And sadly, Protect yourself. sadly, it's not even the company. Like it's, right. it's a person. And that's the, that's the tough part. That's why it's so you have to be wary of your company and who you keep around you because these people represent, you know, we say company, but it's not company. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Joe or Susan with <laughs> that is just like a right. person in this organization. And, you know, although sometimes bridges can be burned, like I've had situations where I've worked with a client or, or something's gone wrong with a person within the organization. But once they leave, doors open again. It's like they, no one else knows what the, it's just like, cool. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, they're like, didn't get along with that person. But now that they're gone, it's let's try again because the brand is still an awesome brand. It's not like the brand's bad. It's just Joe was not a very kind person. The gatekeeper, right? Yeah. right? Man, people. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, do you have any content recommendations for the week, Paul? Could be content a book. Recommendation. Could be a book. Could have been something you saw on YouTube. Could have been a news article. Could be. Wow. Could be anything. Um, He's trying to find her content I know, recommendation. I, just, I forgot. I got to think of mine too. I forgot. I'm like, I didn't realize I was doing this. Put me on the spot here, guys. Yeah, bro. Um, I have a good friend in New York who not only is super talented creator, super talented business person, and very invested in helping people. Um, so I would give a shout out to my buddy Eric Hercules who wants to help people succeed in our field very much so and he leads by example and that's important I think I love it definitely I need to reconnect with Eric he hit me up a while ago when I was just super swamped and I never got around to getting back to him but love Eric smart guy Um, and I'm glad you brought him up because that's just a sign I need to yeah he's always he's always the guy i say like if you're doing something like i just want to come and carry your bags and watch watch what you do and how you do it i think that aspect of creating should never stop i like hanging out with people that do things differently than me so i can fill in the blanks in my own perspective so it's my last bit of wisdom so my content for the week is Oliver Arnold's. He's my favorite. Uh, he's a modern day composer. He's super rad. He's Icelandic. And he has this new series on YouTube called Sunrise Sessions. And he's playing like the piano and has his like violinist and his team playing in this beautiful uh, like glass window building. And they like kind of built like a tiny little set, like a backdrop around it. And then they have a, a 360 dolly track. And so the camera is just rotating the whole time. It's like this 360 dolly all the way around. And they're just like all in there playing music. It's just very peaceful. It's very beautiful. It's very uh, cinematic. And just it was just a really cool concept, I thought. Just like these sunrise music sessions. Yeah. Okay. So instead of me just forcing something, because I totally didn't find anything, um, there's just so much good content out there. I'm oh, there's too much content. <laughs> um, it's too much to sift through. But I want to swap out my content recommendation and ask you another question. Oh. In your personal life, what is 
like a theme that you've been growing in. It doesn't have to necessarily be with work or anything, but just something that has come up that you feel like you've been growing in. Wow. I think a constant theme is, how do I say this? I guess to be aware of how each interaction that I have can either be positive or negative and to make an effort to make sure that each experience that I have, whether it's a passing on the street, I'm speaking to someone about our craft, I'm with my wife, like, does she feel fulfilled? Was that fulfilling to her? Did I encourage someone? Mm -hmm. Did I let somebody, did I give somebody an idea that expands their own thought process? So I think what I've come to realize is that there's a trait inherent in me that wants to be the best facilitator I can to help other people. Wow. That's good. <laughs> Paul Seibert, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check him out at Beholding Eye on Instagram. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Creator Clubhouse. Peace. <laughs>